0: The Rami Zaid Show, interviewing interesting people so people can learn interesting things. Here is your host, Rami Zaid. Hi everyone, and welcome to The Rami Zaid Show, where I interview interesting people so people can learn interesting things. My guest today is Ashley Wilson, the CEO of AuditMate. AuditMate is a startup company and the first ever SaaS company to help property managers get more from their elevator contracts and cut through all of the confusion of typical building maintenance contracts. At such a young age, you can tell Ashley is going to be a superstar CEO, but even more important, Ashley is a superstar human. We not only get into topics about what drives her, but really what makes her who she is. I enjoy this conversation so much with Ashley, and I know you will too. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley Wilson. This episode is brought to you by Cleanse On The Go. As potential sponsors approached me to advertise on my podcast this past year, I made a conscious decision to only bring on sponsors i absolutely believe in and cleanse on the go is just that a cleanse for me had nothing to do with weight loss although it does that as well if that's what you're looking for but more of a mental reset i love the two day cleanse option they have but you have the choice of either a one two or three day option to cater to your needs and wants the beauty of cleanse on the go is its mobility As most of my loyal listeners know, I absolutely promote a healthy eating and exercise lifestyle. But I'm a single dad, two kids, working 24/7, so to say I'm a bit busy is a ludicrous understatement. Cleanse on the go is super easy to use. They're just small packets you mix with water. These small packets can fit easily into purses or pockets and are great for travelers, busy lifestyles, or embarrassingly lazy lifestyles if that is you. As a listener to the Rami Zaid Show, you can get 17% off your order if you go to their website. It's simply cleanseonthego.com, one word. Pick the cleanse you want, and under discount code, just type in my first name, Rami R-O-M-Y, and you'll receive 17% off. Do it, you'll love it. Now let's get back to the Rami Zaid Show. Ashley, welcome to the Rami Zade Show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. I'll say just in the research I've done on you, I know you're an absolute rock star. And I'm very excited for the listeners to hear why. And we will get to your company, Audit Mate, and the elevator industry soon. But before we do so, I've heard you say, permission to be human. And I love mm. that. But would love for you to explain why you say that sentence and what that means to you.
1: Yeah, it's actually my favorite quote. And I have to give props to my yoga teacher, Danny Pomplone. He has an app (laughs) plug. That quote to me is just permission to show up as we are. Permission to be our authentic selves. Permission to fail and fail fast. And to just show up. Just be who we are and not try to be another version of ourselves. I think we're, we're asked to wear a lot of masks in this world. Mm-hmm. And so when you start off with a meeting or an interaction in the gathering and it's like, hey, permission to be human here, you see this like relief come over people, right? Just this like exhale of like, oh, okay, all right, okay, let, let, let's get in it now.
0: Right. now, I love it. You know, another one, um, you, you have all these amazing quotes being such a young CEO already, but another one that I pulled was you think the status quo is garbage and yes. I love that one as well. And I want you to explain what that means to you, what the status quo is garbage.
1: Yeah. Since the earliest times that I can remember, there's always been this set of rules. And I've always tried to follow them. And then I realized that following the rules were killing me. And it's killing a lot of the joy and and many other things, right? And Mm -hmm. I think the status quo stops us from, like, checking in. Like, is this right for me? Is it right for the community? Is it right for inter-XYZ? And it, it eliminates that pause, And that check in, and it's like, oh, this is the way it should be done. It's like, why? Why is it done that way? What if there's a better way? Like, it stops conversation, it stops feeling, and it stunts growth.
0: So, you're saying, you know, listening to the status quo for a while, how long did it take you to really believe in that? Like, this status quo is absolute garbage. Because you grow up, your influence with, is raising you at that moment, then all of a sudden that light switch happens. When did that happen for you?
1: Yeah. So I think my parents have never really followed the status quo. Mm-hmm. I was born in Canada on accident because my parents were running a traveling sales crew <laughs> and they just happened to be in Canada at the time. And they sold this like citrus based cleaner door to door. And they would have like a couple hundred salespeople and go to different countries and rent out a hotel and sell all of this cleaner and then pick up and move to another country. And so they've always lived in ways that were not traditional, right? So I had that on one side. And then on the other side, you have these societal norms of like grades and what it meant to be a woman and getting married and going to college and these things that I was supposed to do. And I wouldn't say that was as much influenced as by my parents as me. Mm-hmm. And then growing up, like, I never really fit in, or I tried to fit in with the girl group and these different things that it literally made me sick. Yeah. I mean, just to get into it, you have, like, eating disorders. And I quit drinking at the age of 24, 5 I think, you know, like, like trying to fit in was literally killing me. And then you look at, you take a, a view up and it's like, wait, it's killing our schools. It's killing our communities. It's killing so many things to try to follow a set of rules that we don't fit in a box, right? Permission to be human. We, we are flawed creatures. And the more that we embrace that, the more that we can find beauty in that.
0: I love that. That's very well said. So I want to, there's, there's so many more things that you've said that are so awesome. We'll get into, but I do start each and every show asking my guests a few standard questions. And one of them to kick it off is how you start your day. I feel everyone's so different, but it's very interesting for the listeners to hear entrepreneurs, business owners, athletes, whoever is on the show, how they start their day. So Ashley, with that said, how do you start your day?
1: Yeah. It starts with coffee always. (laughs) (laughs) I use an AeroPress. I'm very ritualistic with my coffee or a pour over depending. Okay.
0: Let me stop you really quick on the AeroPress pour over. So I used to be a barista. The audience does know that by now, but did that start as of recent, I guess, how did you fall in love with the AeroPress?
1: I think I'll continue the trend that I was also a barista. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, we
0: found another one. I love it.
1: (laughs) I've always been into coffee. I was raised in Washington State. Just one of the first businesses that I started actually at like 18 was a coffee stand. So I've always kind of been obsessed with coffee and I'm also really trying to get into not everything being fast and instant in life right now. So the things that can be slow and have a process and be a ritual to allow those to be a ritual. So I love the Nespresso, but it's the, the things that can we can eliminate the instant gratification, I want to.
0: Got it. Okay, so you have the coffee.
1: I have the what? coffee. <laughs> and then I sit at my altar, which I sit down to either meditate or do yoga or journal or sometimes just sit there. I do something. There is a pause. And I, I struggled with it for a really long time of like, I'm also a very list person. I am a very spreadsheet person. And so for a really long time, it was like, I need to do this, this, and this every single day. And I always fell off. And then there was the shame around falling off. And my therapist was like, it's the choice that is the practice. It's not the actual act. And that shifted everything for me. So I make the coffee and then I ask myself what I'll be doing that day. And what is my routine that morning? Because it's different, it changes, right? Like sometimes we need to run and get it out and like let the energy flow. And other times we need to sit and shut up (laughs) for a minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, is there a workout routine in the morning at all as well? As far as getting out or a walk or anything or is that an afternoon or is that even in existence (laughs) for that matter?
1: Yeah, so it used to be yoga. Yep. But it's been a little hard to practice lately. I have to be honest. You know, yoga is very inward. Sure. And COVID has us very inward all the time. (laughs) So I think I think that going in further is yeah. The meditations have been shorter. The yoga has been less. But that's still the go-to when when I can.
0: So when you're saying inward, you like being in that classroom, so to speak, with others around you? Is that where you're getting at?
1: Inward, I, I mean like checking in with our inner selves, checking in with myself, that stillness that I try to find that I avoid by working or doing all of these different things by life, you know, by being a human. And so that quietness of trying to come in and just be still.
0: Would you say, Ashley, because you have an incredible personality, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert at the end of the day? Or does it depend on the day? Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I always joke that I like being on the side of the spotlight. Like I want a suntan on the spotlight, but I don't want to be in the middle of it. <laughs> like I want to be just close enough to like feel its warmth, but being directly in the middle of it, I can get super socially awkward the most socially awkward which is why I think I do so many jobs which it's like put me on the events committee (laughs) let me help people if I have something to do I'm I'm great but if it's like just approaching someone or walking up to someone or like talking asking someone to move in the grocery store sometimes this like panic just comes over me So I I don't know the answer to that question. I think I'm both, maybe. Sure,
0: sure. (laughs) It depends on the day. No, I love it.
1: Yeah. So let's
0: get to Ashley, the entrepreneur. So you mentioned Mm. the coffee shop at 18. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that and what you learned from that experience?
1: Yeah. So a coffee stand in a cleaning business at similar times. So I was a bank teller right out of high school and I was making like, I don't know, $8 an hour, $7 an hour or something. And
0: this was actually, forgive me if I'm wrong. This was in Spokane, Washington This was in Spokane, Washington.
1: That's correct. And that just wasn't cutting it for me. That was a lot of work for not enough money. And it was just eating up all of my time. And so I decided I was going to start a cleaning business, which everyone in my life would tell you, that that was hilarious because I had the messiest room as a child. (laughs) And it's a story that my mother loves to tell that you couldn't even walk through my room. So I think everyone's chins hit the ground when I said I was starting a cleaning business. But in my eyes, it had the lowest overhead to start. I went to Walmart and I got a bucket and a mop and like a few other things and started advertising on Craigslist. And then a few months after that, I got approached by one of my dad's friends who had a failing coffee stand that I came in and took over and was doing both at the same time. And I ended up getting commercial accounts in this cleaning business and then selling it, which to me, it's still hilarious to me because I'm still not a cleaner, but I saw an opportunity and it worked. And I was able to work half the time for the same money, which was the goal at 19 years old. (laughs)
0: That's fantastic. So we're going to get to your company, AuditMate, in a second. But there had to be some things you pulled from that young of an age that possibly you're applying now as far as being an entrepreneur. Was there there anything specific that you can remember that you're pulling now?
1: Yeah. I mean, consistency. Hmm. You don't have to be exceptional. You have to be good all the time. And even when it's hard, (laughs) and it's hard a lot, Right. But to just consistently do what you say you're going to do. And I find that that's really hard for a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) And never promise what you can't deliver. And then just communicate, communicate your wins. And more importantly, communicate your failures. And when you're as open with your customers as you are with your team and with yourself, about those things, about the consistency, the quality, the consistency, and the communication, it kind of just works itself out.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And that's actually a perfect segue into your company, AuditMate. So I read an interview you did last year with Trisha Booker of Hologram mm-hmm. that you were almost predestined to be in the elevator industry But before you comment on that, can you let our listeners know a little bit about the elevator industry itself? Because I have to admit, I know absolutely nothing about the elevator industry, but I have to imagine it's a real up and down business.
1: (laughs) Yes. I got (laughs) to tell you, so on a side note, that was a
0: prep (laughs) joke that I've been (laughs) waiting to do to talk with you for a long time, but I could not wait to do the up and down joke. Anyways, I'm sorry. I digress.
1: No, it's great. I use that one all the time. So, the elevator industry is an oligopoly. It is controlled by four main players globally. They own like something like 80% of the market share around the world. They are all over 100 or 150, 150 ish years old. It is the second highest paid blue collar trade in the US. It has never been disrupted. The Schindler is one of the majors, is still majority owned by the Schindler family. Like these are old, old companies, and they have been doing things the same way for a really long time. They're innovative, but they're innovative within their own lanes. They've really only had to compete with, you know, the major four, right? So one does one, they all kind of shift. One does something, they all kind of shift. My stepdad was in the industry over 40 years. And then I followed in those footsteps.
0: So you were you were working at Schindler, uh huh, correct? Was. And then it uh, was and then a light went on. What was that light? And I guess what time frame was that? It was a handful of years ago, if that.
1: Yeah. So I joined the industry in two thousand fourteen, I think, and in Seattle, I then moved to Hawaii for the for the company, and I became part of a global executive program. So I reported to the U.S. and to Switzerland, where I did, like, global research projects, and I was being mentored by the U.S. CEO. And, you know, I really thought that I would be the first female president of Schindler. Like, that was the goal, blinders on, like, full steam ahead. And... Then it really started getting to me, this idea. There's what we in the industry call periodic contracts. And the contract states that the vendor will periodically maintain your equipment. Periodic to who? Me? Like periodic to you? Like what, what, is, what does this mean, right? And customers didn't understand it. And then being a sales manager, the salespeople didn't understand it. I would onboard these new salespeople and they were like, what does this mean? How often do we go? People ask me how much. And I spent hours training people on how to like not answer the question and how to like divert. And it's two to three, but we don't guarantee and we won't put that in writing. And so I built this whole case and I sent it up to the CEO on how like no one understood these contracts. And that actually led to our cancellations and customer would actually be okay if we only went once per year. But like, why don't we own it? And in my eyes, I started to really realize and felt that skyrocketing profits were a direct result of confusion and not doing our jobs. Hmm. I couldn't sit with it anymore. It's a predominantly, very predominantly white male industry. hmm a lot of the policies and procedures are very old. It felt like a mountain that even if I became the US CEO, I was still reporting to Switzerland. And you're still reporting to a board of directors that there's four boards of directors, that's who makes the decision. And it really felt like you don't slay dinosaurs from the inside.
0: I love that one. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: So I left and I had no idea what was next, but I kind of just threw my arms in the air and was like, (laughs) here I go. I don't know. And I walked out.
0: So this was another one that I pulled. It's right along the lines of what you're just saying, Ashley, is I quit a secure career, which you call golden handcuffs, right? Yes. Because the company and the way I had to lead it did not line up with my morals and values. All the money in the world will not help you sleep at night, and that itch to do something more should not be ignored. I thought that was so powerful, pulling from what you said previously just about that experience. Frankly, it says a lot about you. So that said, please let the listeners know about AuditMate. What are you now doing, still in the elevator industry, and what it's all about?
1: Yeah, so AuditMate empowers building owners and property managers to get the full value of their maintenance contracts. So we created a elevator auditing software that creates data modeling around their specific contract and then audits to ensure 100% fulfillment of the contract. And then we audit all invoices and proposals. So that's really at the core of everything we do. I thought that I would build this software and they would come and everyone would be so excited to drive this software. Not so much. Not that <laughs> not that this, uh, I mean, people aren't as excited about elevators as I am. I've always kind of explained yet. Yet. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> I've always kind of explained elevators as a non-experience. And it should be a non-experience. The only time you really have an experience is if it's a bad one. You don't really think about it. Like you're more worried about where you're going than like the experience of it.
0: Right. Being super naive to the elevator industry, I would liken it to an umpire in a baseball game. Like you don't notice them. And then the second they make Unless the bad you're call, mad at them. Right? all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> right. And the more and more research I did and digging, right? I've been trying to solve this question of like, how were customers not rioting in the streets, right? Maintenance decreased 80% from the early 90s to now. And how are customers not enraged? Because I'm enraged, right? Like, I'm like, what's happening? And it was just like cricket. Like, nobody knew, nobody cared. Like, it's such a complex, niche industry that it's not like janitorial that you can walk around and you can see if it's done. It happens behind closed doors. And really became like boiling frog, right? It happened so slowly, this decrease in maintenance and decrease in labor that no one really noticed. And the other side of that was it's because the contracts are intentionally vague. Hmm. The elevator companies, and I wanna be really clear here, have never, they're not breaking the terms of the contracts (laughs) because the contracts don't require a minimum frequency. They weren't wrong to decrease it, right? Is it against Ashley's ethics and values? Yeah. But is it legally wrong? No, it's not. When we looked it up into like the credentials and purchasing, you know, like portfolios of buildings, they ask, when was it installed? That's it. So even, even people purchasing buildings didn't get to the level of complexity of like, what are these components? Are they being properly maintained? Are you getting the full 30 years out of this elevator? Or are you only getting 20, right? like The budgets weren't even capturing the loss that was happening. So we've now developed the only enforceable elevator contract on the market. And what I mean by that is if there is a contract term, there is a data point that we track using technology. So everything in that contract is now enforceable and manageable. And the next level of that is AuditMate is now a vertical transportation management company. Property managers have just too much on their plates and managing vertical transportation really is a full-time job. And property managers are fantastic at making good decisions. They've never been provided transparent enough data to make a sound decision.
0: Right. Right.
1: They've consistently relied on elevator companies to explain the work and then price the work fairly and then complete the work with no checks and balances.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you have a game changer at your hands. There's no doubt about it. It sounds like you have an awareness issue, frankly. So, and this may be the million dollar question, but how do you get over that awareness issue for the greater public?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's so much within like property managers and asset managers. It's like when you go to a used car salesman lot, right? Right. You don't know how, but you know you're getting screwed. (laughs) 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 Like, the gut feeling's there. (laughs) And you're like, I don't necessarily know what or how or, like, where it falls because everything seems to be on the up and up, but I can't, like, something's not right. Sure. And so now when we... We offer a free contract analysis. We do a full breakdown of their terms and conditions, let them know where the vendor loopholes are in their contract, and then do a maintenance analysis on their current contract. And everyone's like, yeah, totally, yes. Like, you just see, like, eyes light up and heads nod, and then it's like, okay, now what? Which is where we shifted from the software only to the management because that's, like, telling me, What my BMI and my cholesterol and my fat index, I'm like, okay, so is it good? Is it bad? Like those numbers mean literally nothing to me. They don't help me achieve anything because I don't have the knowledge to maximize that, to put it out. So we, for free, will build a vertical transportation strategy with a client toward the ownership's goals. Are you keeping the building? Are you selling the building? Like what are you trying to accomplish here? And then we'll execute it on behalf of the client.
0: That's fantastic. And I congratulations because I mean you're taking a leap into you know an industry, like you said, that is over a century old. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. So congrats to you. And I do want to ask, I don't know if this is a staple question on my show or not, but when you made that jump, you made that jump from 150-year-old company to saying, I'm gonna go out on my own and tackle this guy. What fears, what, I guess, anxieties was going on through your head, Ashley? Or was it like, you know what? You were fed up. You were doing this. It's going to happen. Here we go.
1: Yeah. So when I left, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that sitting on the couch was better than how I was spending my time. So I actually did nothing for nine months, Mm -hmm. just to be transparent in that. But when the idea (laughs) hit me. I was actually feeling sorry for myself because my boss's job had just came open. And I started to go, oh, if I would have stayed just a few more months, maybe I could have made the change. Maybe then then I could have got promoted and then I could have changed the culture in my office and then I could have maybe blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, no, then what? Then what, what, you spend 20 years trying to do that? And then, like, that, is that how you want to spend your life? And then all of a sudden, and this is going to be, I mean, have you seen the Queen's Gamut when she's, like, playing chess on the ceiling? I have. I
0: need to see. I've had a lot of people <laughs> tell me I need to see that show. I have not seen it yet, though.
1: Well, I had a moment kind of like that, that I, like, saw these data points in my head, and I was like, this contract term with this data point, like all of the vendors have an online portal where you can see this information. And if I can get big enough players to require transparency from the elevator companies, then we can start shifting to them just opening up what are they doing. Because I'm not asking elevator companies to do anything that they're not already doing, right? It's like, you've signed these contracts. So now show me what you're doing. And they in many instances won't because the transparency is not explicitly required. So which is why it is in audit make contracts. So the fear when I started was there's only four. So if they all dig in their heels and say, Nope. Right. We're not telling you. We're not showing you. We're not willing to be honest about what we're doing. And then we get a, you know, CBRE that then says, I'm sorry, Ashley, I agree with you, but we still have to get our elevators serviced. So if they're not willing to work with you, sorry, great idea, kid, right? Like that was the biggest fear for me, but I'm happy.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it's be the change you wish to see in the world. I think that's Gandhi quote right there, and you're doing it. So yeah, congratulations. It's awesome.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm happy to announce that we did a big bid with some global players over the last few weeks. And we, we had over 50% of the elevator companies agree to full transparency. So we have a ball game.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Congrats. I Super exciting stuff, and best of luck at AuditMate. You will be successful. There's no doubt about it. But I want to flip to something a little bit more personal. And on your LinkedIn profile, your job title says three things. It's CEO, human, and queer, which is mm-hmm. eye-catching. Can you please let the audience know what those three words mean to you?
1: Yes. I think that visibility is important. And I think that being a young woman, queer human that has a title like I have, I think it's so important to own that. I also have a lot of privilege. I'm white. I have accessibility to rooms and to people that others don't have. I have the privilege of being safe and being queer. And you know, as we know it's some staggering statistic that it's like less than 2% of VC funding goes to women and then don't quite, I don't know if that's exactly right but <laughs> something along those lines. And and then you have even a crazy percentage of that that goes to LGBT founders. Though I hope to not ever take on huge VC funding, I would love to bootstrap the entire way. If I do, I think it's so important to check that box, to take funding and to have visibility as a queer person and invite others, when it's safe, to be who they are in professional settings.
0: Do you feel, given your position. And now, I mean, you're on a road to massive success. Do you feel that you now have a responsibility, you know, given the three words, I, I I mentioned CEO, human queer, do you feel it's now kind of on your shoulders a little bit, given you are leading the charge uh, for a company in an industry that's archaic. I'm just wondering if, if there's pressure or I don't know if that's even the right word, but anything on your shoulders in that topic.
1: Absolutely. One hundred percent. And, you know, without qualm. Right. Because it is my job to walk the walk. It is my job to if I say, you know, our North Star as a company is to be excellent to each other. And, you know, our vision is that people inside and outside of the organization are treated with respect, dignity and their best interests in mind. There's nothing to do with elevators. <laughs> Who we are is about being good people. It's about doing what you say you're going to do. It's about owning when you screw up. So I have to do that in who everyone I partner with, right? Believe. I look at your board of directors. <laughs> like if I'm doing business with you, I look at who you are. I look at who you put into positions of leadership, who I hire, who I put on my website. All of that is extremely important. And Someone said to me, it is, it is my duty to use my privilege. And I 100% agree with that. It is my duty to get into the rooms and then to invite other people in, to invite other people to the table. Like, it is, we've had a monumental year mm-hmm. with Black Lives Matter, with, you know, queer rights movements, and... I think it is my job as a white person to do the work and to do everything in my power to redistribute the resources that I have.
0: Do you feel that we're headed in the right direction?
1: Yeah, I think that we are moving and I don't know how to say that. I think there's always going to be ways to be better, but I think that it starts with visibility. It starts with awareness and as detrimental as call out culture can be. I am a firm believer of call in culture and not call out culture, but at least there's awareness and there's visibility to some of these things that have happened behind closed doors that again, full circle, that the status quo was to hide it to make it go away because it's not happening if it's not on the front line news. Well, guess what? Who's controlling the front line news? So now that we have social media and that can't quite be controlled in the same way, you hear people say that like, there's more racism or there's more things happening now. And it's like, no, we just have more visibility. Right. Right.
0: You're very good at taking away my segues and my full circle status quos. I'm, I'm going to say. No, Ashley, I mean, it's very, very well said. And thank you so much for, for sharing because I know that there's many thousands now, luckily on the show that will hear that. And I think people that need to hear that. So thank you again for sharing. I do want to get to some rapid fire fun stuff. So I like to end the show with... A few questions that are kind of fun for the audience and hopefully fun for you. And the first one is, what is one thing, and this is personally, you do not mind spending money on? Choose. Uh, <laughs> that was automatic. And glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there a certain brand that's like a no-brainer or is it all oh, over the board?
1: No, I think the weirder and the more unique, the better.
0: Got it. Standing out loud. Okay. Got it.
1: (laughs) I think I could wear black t-shirts and jeans every day with just funky glasses and shoes.
0: Love it. All right. Next one. I'm a quote geek, but do you have a favorite quote? You have said a plethora of quotes that I've actually recited already, but is there a favorite quote you have out there that
1: sticks with you? Yeah, I have a couple. One that I really love is, I think it's like a buddhist or yoga proverb but it's something along the lines of we must crack for the teachings to fall in Hmm. and for me it's so powerful because we learn things in theory all the time right we talk about awareness and we talk about working out and we talk about all of these things but it isn't until we really crack that we really get to that low that we're like oh that's why i do that thing right That's why I need that. That's what that means.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. It helps you not only figure things about yourself, but it's also the road to success. It was Thomas Edison was, I've never failed in my life. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work, Mm -hmm. right? And so you go over and over and you're you're finding the cracks like you've just mentioned, but that leads you to ultimate success, right? I love that one. Okay, so next we're gonna take away barista, we're gonna take away cleaning, we're gonna take mm-hmm. away the elevator industry. Okay. If you could choose a completely different position career-wise, what would it be and why?
1: I think maybe like a travel blogger or a food critic so that I can just eat and travel all the time.
0: <laughs> i love it. Get paid to eat and <laughs> travel. Those jobs are the most fantastic, right? They get to travel and eat unbelievable meals, right? Right. I I got it.
1: (laughs) And they just give you a whole plate of like one bite of everything just so you can try the whole menu.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love it. And that's actually, again, we'll use the word segue. My last question is always tomorrow, I guess in life, we never know what's going to happen. But assuming tomorrow does not happen and you have your last dinner in front of you, What is on the plate or plates and what is in the glass for that matter?
1: Yeah, definitely would be seafood. Like seared scallops are one of my favorites. Shrimp cocktail, probably. A whole gamut, like a seafood platter. Like a whole seafood platter. Yeah, would be my favorite. And then in the glass would likely be like topo chico.
0: Oh wow! Nice yes. mm-hmm. seafood and topo chico. I like that. I I will share with you this share this with you separately. I'm not a very good chef at all. However, I've loved the crock pot and I found the weirdest things to make in the crock pot. And I make a mean scallop recipe in the crock pot. You would never think it's that so good. So it's like parmesan cool. crusted scallop recipe. Yeah, it's fantastic.
1: I'm a, super into that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll just send that to you after the, after the please. show. Please. Yeah, will <laughs> Well, Ashley, this has been an awesome conversation. And thank you again for, for everything, for your openness, um, your vulnerability, and frankly, your stick-to-itiveness on AuditMate. I think it's a very inspiring story, and I wish you the best, and you will be successful. There's no doubt about it. I mean, with that said, if there's anything you want to leave the audience with, please do. Is there anything you you want to share with the audience?
1: I don't think so. I just appreciate you having me. And just, I guess I encourage everyone to be their authentic selves when safe and to really be brave and do what your heart desires. That little quiet voice that's your truth, it does not go away. You can get better at shoving it down, but it's, you know, life gets a whole lot easier when you start listening to it
0: great way to end it. Thank you so much, Ashley, and best of luck with AuditMate.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ashley Wilson. You can find Ashley and AuditMate on LinkedIn. Ashley's first name is spelled A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H, and her company is simply AuditMate.com. And you can find me at my website, RamiZaid.com. That's R-O-M-Y-Z-E-I-D.com. Thanks again, everyone, and I hope you all learned something interesting.